Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week we wrap up the last of that summer, the second half of last week's audio with my mom in studio and we will be discussing more about what happens after I get put back into the hospital and am quarantined. And we start this episode, I want it noted that I asked my mom how she was handling everything emotionally and she immediately flipped the question and deflected the emotional part and immediately went back into what she was actually physically doing to handle things. Just wanted to throw that out there. And because I know I made you wait a whole week to find out what happens, we're just going to jump right on in. So, how are you handling all of that? You know, I mean, that was, that's just like the walkthrough of, Yeah. did you just go back into working mode where it's just I, the, the logical side of your brain took over? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously I was panicked, but there isn't really time to be necessarily panicked. You have to figure out what the next move is. I thank God I had Aunt Jean there with me. Yeah. Because just between the two of us, there's a set of marbles <laughs> at some point happening. It, you know, it, it was it was very much survival mode and just, I mean, you you were a sick little critter. So, I mean, it's it's survival mode that's like, it, it's a really big room. It had a huge window had a beautiful place for me to sleep underneath that window that was right next to your bed. But the bathroom was across the room. So every time you had to go to the bathroom, which can I say was just like every 10 seconds, you didn't make it to the bathroom yeah. at all. So, you know, I'm cleaning the floor between the bed and the bathroom, which was a fair distance. And, you know, the nurses saw that. And, you know, because they're not coming in and out because they have to change their gowns and everything every time they go in another room. But they saw that, and they they went to bat, and they got you um, a commode, a bedside commode. We called it my throne. Yes, it was your throne. They got you a throne, and it was an old one, and it looked like a throne, as I recall. It really yeah. did kind of have that look about it. I don't remember if it was wood. I don't, it was it, it looked like a throne. But they don't have that many of them, I guess, in the hospital, because she really had to beg, borrow, and steal to get that delivered. But then it was just picking you up from the bed and moving you to the throne. Now, can I say, while you're doing that, you're still cathing yourself. Nobody is touching anything. You know, you're, you're having accidents of the other kind, but you're calfing yourself every time, and you were, like, totally functional with that and out of it at the same time. It was fascinating. Bizarre. Yeah. Coping mode. Kind of makes you wonder, like, what was going on up there. Coping mode. You, you're doing what you have to do. You're... Yeah, but that was such a new skill. I know. Coping. It was, I know, and that's why it was like, it's how sick can she be if she's yeah. like so functional? But you weren't functional in any other way. You had a million nephrologists coming to see you, yeah. the kidney doctors, and, and this hospitalist that was in charge of you. 
and can I before we move on can I can I ask because I don't remember there was a a time where when we first went in and I got put on the bed Mm -hmm. and then a time where I remember actually waking up in the room how long was that they pretty much took you straight in there Okay. Yeah. Because I, mean, I we, remember there was, like, a certain point where I woke up and I actually started tracking things again mentally. Yeah, and you were probably in the room at that point. Yeah. You were, you know, we were in the emergency room, and they pretty much, and then when they, you went straight to the room that you were in for the rest of the time. So it was hmm. straight from one spot to the other because your IVs were going, which were all, you know, antibiotic, yeah. um, fluid, anti-nausea. So it was pretty quick then. Yeah, they, once okay. they shoved those IVs in, because again, they already had the culture, so they could start treating right away. Obviously they did another one, but yeah, I don't think they changed any of the meds once they did the other one. No, they did. They did. They changed it because Dr. Mitchell was like, where did she pick up this other infection? Because you, you had one infection in his office that tested out but when you came to the hospital, there was, was something else. There was something else going on too, and he was like, "Where the hell did that come from?" Okay. Um, which, of course, we have no idea. Yeah. It was like somehow she got contaminated between point A and point B, <laughs> which I think he was afraid happened like at his office or I yeah, don't, I don't know or something. Something. But anyway, it tested out at the hospital, so they did change your antibiotics a little bit once you were there. But you were a sick puppy. Yeah. And the you know the. She called the nephrologist in because it was severe kidney issues going on. Don't believe she called your surgeon, who should have been called right away. Right. We had his, you know, little baby doctor that met us in the emergency room, but she got just railroaded, basically. Railroaded with this hospitalist who just took over the whole case. Yeah. And really tied her hands because she was a baby doctor. Right. And, you know, if you go in through the emergency room and you don't have your doctor meet you there, you are stuck with this hospitalist. Right. And that's just the way it is. And it's a really stupid system. Um, just going to go on record with that one very loudly. Yeah. It was an issue with your grandmother twice and, and with you this time. And, you know, you need your doctor who has some sort of actual history. It, yeah. They need to be called right away. They know your case. Yeah. Yeah. And all of your different little things. So, yeah, so we had 5,000 nephrologists coming in that were traveling in teams. We didn't know who any of them were. They would come in and say and reference some other doctor had sent them, but we didn't know who the other doctor was, so what did we care? Didn't matter to us. Didn't matter. And all of them, nephrologists, you know, nephrology 101 should be, you know, A, you don't need to be checking the kidneys every hour. If they're in, if the child is in massive pain, we don't need to be like pressing on the kidneys every hour. And, you know, they all they really a, were, they really were. And it was, it was fascinating to watch them. Well, fascinating is probably not the right word, but some of them would push on the kidneys to see if it hurt. Some of them would thump the back to see if it hurt like a residual vibration, which was, it all hurt, which was gentler than the targeting those di- kidneys yes, directly, but it all hurt. And there was the one the one, there was only one nephrologist we liked, and he would come in, and he had the softest bedside manner, and he would jiggle the bed. How brilliant is that? He would jiggle the bed and say, does it still hurt? Yes. Now, if she had said no, then maybe move on to thumping her on the back or pressing the kidneys. But if it hurts jiggling the bed, then you probably don't need to push on the kidneys. Yeah. So, 
we really liked him. He just had a whole different demeanor. He was nice to you. And the other thing is you push on your kidneys, then you would have to pee. Yeah. Like almost immediately. So yeah. then because you're in quarantine, I'm moving you to the throne. We're getting the catheter out. They all leave and they let us do our thing. But then they're thing. scrubbing out and they're gone. Yeah, exactly. They had to scrub out and then they'd just go see somebody else. And then in the next hour, they'd be back doing the, doing same, the same thing. The same thing. So it was really absolutely stupid, I thought. <laughs> so I was, I was not a, a fan of them at all. And they took your blood constantly. Yes. Constantly. Yes. They abused this poor arm and it still does not. Like pricks. Yeah. No, this, the vein in my right arm definitely retracted and made itself tiny and um, it's still not usable. They were tiny to begin with. And, you know, it was, you know, they would send up, I felt so sorry for these lab people because they, they really are a big fan of that cream to put on to numb the area. And, you know, Jean and I would prep you ahead of time, say no. They're going to they're gonna try to talk you into putting the cream on that will numb the area, but it constricts the vein. You have a tiny vein anyway. If you let them do that, they're going to be digging. And the cream is for the top. It's not really, doesn't really, pick, right. you're going to feel the dig, which of course we didn't prep you with that. We just said, please just say no. Say no. You know it doesn't work. I didn't say no. No, every stupid time you'd be like, they would, t- they'd be like, there's this cream that would numb the area. And you're like, okay. It's like, here we go again. So, you know, it was amazing. So they would put that on and they would put a patch on it. Well, you didn't even let people take Band-Aids off of you. So they put that on there and then it takes you, you know, it has to sit there for however long, half hour, 20 minutes. And then you're going to spend 45 minutes picking that stupid Band-Aid off while they get frustrated with you. It pulls the little tiny arm hairs off. And you would just stare at them and pick it as slowly as possible (laughs) And I would just want to throw myself out the window. <laughs> and then they would draw your blood and then they'd dig out all over the place. And they'd be digging for it because they couldn't find your vein. And it, because it was tiny. Because it was tiny. And, yeah. There was one day that was bad enough the nurse, like, canceled, I'll call the doctor, cancel all your labs, and kicked the lab technician out of the room. And I said that all in reverse. But um, she just canceled everything for the whole day because you were just being abused yeah you were you were past the point of coping gotcha they will say yeah i don't remember that that was probably earlier on okay yeah earlier on do you remember the pick line unfortunately i do okay it's probably because they gave you something to calm you down (laughs) again yes they gave me something to calm down yeah yeah well it was time the, the iv was blown it was time to change it they decided to put a pick line in which goes in through your arm and around and dumps out by the heart. And they were going to be able to do all kinds of fabulous things through this. And they, they, the beauty of it is they don't really have to put you out for it. They just give you something to calm you down. And, and then, they, then they feed this tube in to somebody who doesn't even let her blood be drawn. And it's just easy peasy. Does that sound like it should be easy peasy? They had the, the child psychologist come in to help you with relaxation techniques. That was my favorite. That, that, that was truly my favorite, was to watch this poor young girl go through all of these breathing techniques and give you the squeezy ball, and you were just so eager to please. You squeezed that little ball, and you were doing the breathing and the whole thing, and I'm like, this is going to be a fiasco. This is just <laughs> going to be a fiasco, and I'm just going to have to... 
It was a fiasco. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. It was horrible. And in you, hindsight, it's kind of funny. In, in, yeah, in hindsight, it's funny. It's like just, duh, it's not going to work. You've just got the wrong child for this. Wrong maybe child. some child can breathe and then you through their stress added on and their this fear. stupid medicine that's not working. <laughs> so yeah, so you became hyper hyper aware and alert and active as usual when somebody gives you something to calm you down. And yeah, it, it's interesting when I read what you wrote about it later, you said that that I was behind you a little bit. I mean, you have Jean was holding holding your hand. Jean was holding your arm down, and Jean was laying across your legs to hold them from kicking people. Oh, she was not just gently sitting at the edge of the bed. She was holding those flailing legs down. I was behind you, and I had the upper part of your arm. And she, you said I was. I think you said I was stroking your hair and whispering to you. I was probably crying, but I was always able to keep my voice steady. I'm not going to cry right now. <clears throat> so when I stand behind you and I'm whispering in your ear through all those things that we had to hold you down for, I was most likely crying. And you just, I kept that from you because I could <clears throat> regulate my voice and make it go away like I am right now. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so, you know, there were, there were a lot of times where they were originally when they were trying to cath you or something like that and I am behind you for that test, it's so that I can put my head next to yours and we hugged our little heads together and then I just talked you through it and would stroke your hair. So that's what I was doing here, but I was also holding you down because you were thrashing up the, you were like a little crazy person. <laughs> and you burst that tension ball so that goo, I remember went, that. that goo went all over the place. And we had started with the little psychologist girl being there with you and then she had to leave and you were under the impression that you had disappointed her, and that's why she left. And it was at this thrashing, horrible moment, and, she, and they're not getting the pick line in. I have to add that, too. They had to keep restarting it. They couldn't get it in. So they would get, like, halfway, and then they'd back out. And then they'd go halfway, and it was utter fiasco. This is the first time Dr. Mitchell shows up, and he finally found you, found out you were in the hospital, found you, and came yeah, in. finally found me. Yeah. Come on. And he was, been... I know, and he was standing at the end of the bed and he just had his arms folded and it, he was just like, you know, I think you felt like he was disappointed and may never come back again. <laughs> but I was going to say, I do was remember up, thinking. He was really upset with this whole scenario he was looking at. It's like, what the hell are they doing to her? So, yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. Bottom line, what was the you, point of that? Bottom, it didn't work. The, the bottom line of that whole story is the pick line was not in and they had to give up. So plan B is yeah. what, we, what we went with. And you also failed relaxation. Yes, miserably. 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 Yeah. And how long did it take to clean up all the goo from the stress ball? Oh, it was everywhere. I remember you saying it was just an utter <laughs> nightmare to get it out of anything. I think we ended up having to change the sheets. And I have to say, you know, again, because it's a locked down room, it's like Jean and I were sneaking out and getting you a change of clothes, change of bedding, change of... So we were we were doing a lot of that for you initially because it was a locked down room and it was right. just... And the nurses were busy, you know. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was... They didn't have that many kids. I mean, I should say that. I, I think your nurse had, like, three rooms and that was it because you guys... But you guys were all high-maintenance right. kiddos. 
and some of these other kids, you know, were needing, you were cathing yourself. That's not the scenario in all the rooms, obviously. So there's people that actually need like a whole lot of help. I mean, people don't cath themselves. <laughs> well, not that they were all on catheters either, <laughs> but they also didn't have a full-time like little nursing team living with them. Like Aunt Jean and I were there. Right, right, right. We, we were there. So, but on the bright side that day, they, everybody left you alone for the rest of the day. They were, they were done. Nobody, nobody yeah. took your blood. Nobody came back in that room. I don't think the rest of that day, it was just like, leave that poor, child alone. Poor child alone. It was probably the nurses just through said, no, nothing else today. We're done. Thank goodness. Yeah. So I do remember Dr. Mitchell coming in and standing there. And I remember the feeling of, ah, oh, crap. I'm having a cow in front of this man that feels like my grandpa and I feel like I'm disappointing him yeah yeah, yeah. I, you I you, you felt like and again I think a big part of it was the meds you were just so out of control completely yeah for said that's what you were on yes yeah again higher than a kite yeah 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 I yeah. could feel everything I remember yeah. that yeah you were just hypersensitive hyper aware hyper everything just made it a lot worse than it needed to be. Yeah. So, I mean, you weren't out of pick line. They still did the pick line, but they, they put you... Complete, they put me out. They put you out for it. Not only did they put you out, they put me in the little... I had the little hat on. I had the whole suit, everything on. They took me in the operating room with you. Now, was this the time that they... When they were putting me out and she told me to count to 10 or tell her a story or something? Yeah. Well, they did the... I think they did the count to 10 and it didn't work. She was slowly putting stuff in the little line there, and she had this beautiful South African accent, and you, we had had her before. You really liked her, so you were chit-chat. She remembered you, and you guys were chit-chatting. And, and I remember. they did the count, and you didn't go out, and so then she asked you about, you know, one of your favorite movies, and so you start telling her all about the musical On the Town with Gene Kelly. Yes. And proceeded to describe all of their <laughs> outfits, their dresses... <laughs> And you did not, the, the, the whole museum, dinosaur. I gave her the scene. entire scene by scene plot line of this movie. And, and would, I didn't go out until I finished the movie. You finished the movie and you just, bump, you were out. I mean, it was just like, and it was long. And she's just looking at me. She's like putting the stuff in. She's like, got this most confused look on her face. I'm like, you asked, this is a long ass movie. And you asked. <laughs> You know, so, but I mean, once you were out, then I got kicked out of the operating yeah. room, which y you thought I was going to be in there the whole time. Yeah. So when you got brought back up from the operating in the room and you were awake, you were, you were surprised that I had not been there the whole time. Yes. But no, they only do that until you're out and then they have to kick mommy out. Yeah. And, but which anyway. Which makes sense, but. Makes total sense. Very you, confusing then, when you wake up by yourself. Yeah. So the bright side of the pick line was no more blood draws, which, you know, opened a whole new vein of our lives. Ah, vein. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Find humor in there somewhere. Yeah. So you had a pick line. Woo. So the benefit of that was... No blood draws. No blood draws. No blood draws. Um, the IV wasn't necessarily needed anymore either. No, the IV, well, the IV was blown. That's why they did the pick line. Right. You could also go home with the pick line and I could administer medication through it. Right. So, which, you know, is exciting because we get to go home. Not exciting because I'm going to have to be administering medicine. And. Scary. Okay, wait. So how long were we 
in that quarantined room for, wasn't it like another week? Yeah, we were there at least five days. I think we were there for like five days. We were there a long time, you know, and I had to change our flights again. That's what I was, no, that's what I was looping around to. (laughs) I remember you being in the room on hold trying to change flights and not knowing though when we were leaving. Yeah, and they wouldn't let me do an open-ended, they wouldn't let me, they were charging me $75 a ticket every time I changed them. It was, it was an airline that I had really liked and I stopped using them completely after this trip. Because I was so mad. They were so... Is this Alaska? Yeah, they're still in business. I wasn't going to say their name. I don't care. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were horrible. They were absolutely horrible. I mean, you know, maybe that's changed, you know, yeah, I, I over think, the years. Over the years, and I think... Back know, then, this is what they were doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I'm... I'm in the hospital I knew with there was a reason why we job. didn't like that airline anymore. Yeah, all of a sudden we stopped. And that had been my favorite. And all of a sudden we stopped flying it forever. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I, I was know. so mad at them. But, you know, 75 times three when I've been out of it's work. Three. All, yeah. So well, you probably know, apply it times four or five. I mean, yeah. if we were in the hospital for that long. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I had changed them. And then I had to change them again and trying to get the doctors to say, you know, it's like, I'm trying to change my tickets. I need to know when we're going to get out. Right. I mean, and same with the hotel, though. We're just extending and extending right. it over and over. Yeah. Silver Cloud was fine. It was, they, they were, they, they, <laughs> they were awesome. They were, they were fine. We, we did just kept extending a day at a time. And they were fine. And they were fine with it. Never made you move rooms or anything. No, 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 no. They were, Good. they were, they were awesome. You know, and we had, again, we had only planned to be there for two nights, three days. So we didn't have that many clothes. Right. So, you know, after this trip and after being in the hospital that long, I threw those sandals out. We got home, my sandals went in the trash. That's all I had. I had like this, I had two outfits and a pair, one pair of sandals that I wore the entire, you don't wear sandals in a hospital. (laughs) Wasn't expecting to be in the hospital. It was gross. Yeah. Yeah. They actually gave me hospital little socks, little booties to wear. So I didn't have to wear my sandals all the time. My feet were covered. But it was... Yeah, yeah, I threw him out. I don't know what the point but, of that conversation was, but we were there for know. a really long time, and we got to watch the movie South Pacific because I had did. a TV in my room, and I remember playing Monopoly. We played Monopoly. You had recre, uh, not you had art therapy. The art therapy people came in. It wasn't therapy. It was just to entertain you in your room. I remember that. That's when the dog came to visit you. I remember you had that. Your special dog. You had the clowns. Come I did the not chicken. like the clowns. You liked the chicken dance. They did. Yes. They gave you a rubber chicken. But I remember not wanting the clowns to come in. You didn't. That was early enough on, I think, where you were feeling you didn't want anybody to look at you. And and you didn't like clowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the nurse convinced you to, 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 let, let, them to let them in. They had these rubber chickens and they did this whole like chicken dance for you. And, Which uh, reminded me of my brother. And then they gave me a rubber chicken. They did. They gave me one of their rubber chickens to give John. Yeah, because you told them that your brother yeah. does a chicken dance. He also does a crab dance. but Alien crab man from Mars dance. Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, they, they did try to enter, entertain you, and you, you made keychains, and mm-hmm. you... I mean, we were there a while. A while, yeah. We were there a while. Yeah. And the nurses taught you a... A dice game, and I mean, they, Ooh, they they brought me the syringes. They brought you the syringes. Okay, so the nurses were 
trying to find fun things for us to do and they brought in like this little plastic tub filled it with water and put a bunch of syringes in it so it could be like a little fun shoot water at each other thing and that's also when a group of doctors came in yeah i took that away from you yeah she just knows me too well i just it was perfect shooting target practice. You were. You kept looking at them and looking at me and looking at the bucket and looking back at me like, how much trouble am I going to be in if I shoot this syringe right at the water doctor. at that doctor? Because, again, it was all the nephrologists. That's all we ever saw. Standing in a row. Stupid team of nephrologists. And, yeah. There you go. Yeah, she took my target practice bucket away. Yeah, I did. So... Yeah, it, it was it was hard getting out of the hospital, and um, it was interesting because, you know, Dr. Mitchell was always very forthcoming of this is what we have to do, this is how well she has to be, this is, you know, these this is the scenario to get out. We were never given the scenario to get out. It was always, uh, this is going to be such a scary thing if she gets out. The day that we were supposed to get out, and I had got plane tickets... And needed to be out to turn in the rental car to get you security, the whole thing. They just, they took forever to discharge you. And, you know, I was making it clear we had plane flight that we had to meet. And she just kept repeating the same things over and over again. And A, I knew you were super sick. Duh. Duh. And the longer we sit here and talk to you, lady, the really? longer time it's going to be before I get V&A at home. They had already set up visiting nurses that were going to meet us at the house as soon as we got there. They were coming same day because we needed to get the meds for your pick line and they had right. to show me how to do it. So more important to hit the airport at the right time. Right. And then she had talked to your pediatrician and, you know, told her the importance of getting you a nephrologist down there, setting up appointments for a checkup with you as soon, pretty much day after, just getting everything set up. But it took us forever to get out of there, and I really didn't like her anyway. So she was just, she was as annoying as all get out. Just patronizing, just, she was just, should not have been a doctor. I was going to say a hospitalist, but I don't think she should have been a doctor. Well, yeah, patronizing's not how you should be. Yeah, not handling it, especially in a pediatric. Well, in anything, but yeah, I. She was just she had just mishandled so many things. Yeah, that I just wanted to get out from under her care, get home, and then oh hey let's go just go back and see Doctor Mitchell. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, she should have called him in so... So much sooner. Yeah, and, I mean, immediately. Yeah, and anybody who doesn't know anything about hospital politics is your doctor's hands are tied. It's the hospitalist that is in charge, and you have to respect... And it's up to them. ...to call your doctor in, and she just thought she was all that, and called nephrologist she, in, and yes, you had a kidney infection. I get that. But, but when you have a history of anything neurology-based... And you have something going on with the kidneys. Maybe you should call in. Should have been like a team effort. It's the going same freaking system. The kidneys go down to the bladder. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, you know, by the time we left the hospital, we had one hour to get from Seattle Children's to the airport, drop off the rental car, get through the security, and get to the gate. That should explain to you why we were running through the airport. I mean, we left that rental car and. We were literally running. We were running. Well, 
you were in a wheelchair. Yes, I was in the wheelchair. <laughs> Excuse me. They were running. I was enjoying a little fun roller coaster ride. Yeah, we, we just, yeah, we dashed. And, you know, we get to the airport and we're running, A, and you're in a wheelchair and we, we look panicked. So they were starting to insist on searching you. But the minute they saw your pick line and realized, you know, hey, we're not making this up. She just got out of the hospital and we're missing our flight. We need mm-hmm. to get home. They really just let you right through. We got through just in time for pre-boarding. And, yeah, we just all collapsed on the plane. We were exhausted. Yeah. You know, stress, relief of going home. I actually felt more relief about going home and getting out of the situation that we were in than worried about having to take care of you. I just figured that we would man up and do it. I mean, we did. We did. We did. But you, you always ask, you know, what were you thinking? It's like, I, I at this point, I just felt relief that we were out of a situation where we really had no control. And there were lots of scenarios that I would have liked to have more control over saying, hey, don't do this to her. Yeah. But I didn't have a doctor I could talk to because we didn't have Dr. Mitchell. Right. So, you know, I, I felt like a relief going home. Until we landed. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the minute we landed in San Jose, I had a voice. You turn your phone back on, and I have a voice message from your pediatrician saying that she hadn't been able to find you a nephrologist in Santa Cruz because they all said your case was too complicated. And she was leaving on vacation, so she actually wasn't going to be in the office. And she had made an appointment. Oh, I'm just like three days later for the her fill-in pediatrician at the office. So all I had was V&A meeting me at home. So the awesome. feeling of relief of going home disappeared pretty d- fast. Disappeared pretty <laughs> fast as soon as I listened to the message and realized we had no doctor in charge, yeah. really. And, yeah, the V&A people were great. That's Visiting Nurses Association for anybody who doesn't know that. But they they were great. They, they arrived, I want to say, I mean... You got home, and within that first hour of being home, you were just hanging out with John. And the visiting nurse arrived to show us how to use the pick line. And the medicine was already in our fridge. And that that was, you know, they impress. It's a big syringe that I have to administer into your pick line. And there was one, I guess both medicines, I had to slowly de- depress the little plunger over 20 minutes they didn't want me to shoot it all in right next Mm. to your heart it needed to be administered over 20 minutes and the panic that you feel that you that your thumb is suddenly going to have like this spastic move and just shove it all in there (laughs) is amazing because you know you can quietly do that but every time I did it I was so panicked that I was going to have some sort of hand spasm and shove it all in but How many times a day did you have to do that? Well, we did the saline. And that that was easy. And then then we would do the medicine. And then I would have to clear the line again after that. And then we did it six times a day. Because you oh had my gosh. one medicine that was every 12 hours. And then you had another medicine that was every 8 hours. They couldn't be taken at the same time. Had to be separated out by at least an hour. And then the nurse would come every day and draw blood through it for testing to make sure you weren't getting too much of something. Oh, my gosh. And so it was 
everything according to the clock. I do remember that being and glued to like a clock and a, a timeline. A timeline, <clears throat> and I had the medicines separated in the fridge so in the middle of the night I wouldn't grab the wrong one. And we were still calfing and measuring and we were doing that whole thing. So yeah. we were doing a lot of different little things. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, I had expected to take three days off of work, a little trip to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden we were out for another week and a half. And then it was like how I can't leave you at home because I'm doing medicine every five seconds. Right. And that needs to be refrigerated, too. It needs to be refrigerated. And and you really weren't out of the... You were weak. I, th I think we left that part out. You were really, really weak. You had lost so much weight. Yeah. Um, was this when I started throwing up in the yet. mornings? Not yet. Not okay. yet. No, you did that a little bit later. A little bit later. Yeah. Okay. Give yourself another month. Okay. And you started throwing up. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and we, and we had no doctor. So it was like the scramble of trying to figure out who who to who to even contact for yeah. that and that was just a nightmare how long did i have the pick line for oh i knew you were gonna ask me that i'm gonna have to look was that, that a up. month it was about a month i mean one of the medicines i, I want to say we was only another 10 days another one was it, it might have been less than a month it might have just been a couple weeks but one of the medicines i think we had 10 more days of and the other one was like 12 or 8 or something like that. So it was probably only about two weeks, but you were so weak. Yeah. So that, that was more of an issue. And then trying to figure out where to find a doctor. I remember not having a general doctor for a while. We bounced for, I mean, I think you saw... Went to doctors on duty a lot. That was later. We went through three of the pediatricians in that office where your pediatrician was mm -hmm. because I don't know you never needed to see a doctor when she was there I don't really recall that you ever saw your pediatrician ever again actually I don't think I did either I think maybe she left I think maybe she went on vacation and then she and never, never came, came back. back and we bounced with the other three you saw one of them a couple times another one another couple times yeah you, you we bounced there and then we nobody left. wanted to see me <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we went through a few, but that was over the next year, so we're jumping ahead. So. I'd like to say, though, it's pretty impressive that as a doctor, you have the option of saying, I don't want to see that person, their case too complicated. And not recommend somebody else. Somebody tell me where to go. Yeah. That was what got me. I actually called Seattle. And, and said, I what think, the hell? <laughs> yeah, and, and got a hold of Dr. Mitchell's office and said, who, who do we need to go see? And yeah. we ended up in San Francisco. So oh, okay. That, that's how that we was, looped in over there. That's how we looped in over there. They called over there, got us an appointment, and bam, the heavens opened up. But even then, it's a it's a two-hour drive, you know? So, again, it's it's not in town. It's not easy. It was mm. still an ordeal. Take the day off work. Take us to San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. But, the, but they do uh, kidney transplants in... San Francisco. Oh. And so they had a, a team that would answer the phone 24 hours. They gave me a phone number that I could just call, and I could be 2 a.m., and they would answer the phone. That's amazing. It was amazing. It was. That's why I said the heavens opened up, because it, they, were, they were there for us every time we got into trouble for the next year, which was frequently. 
which yeah. we probably can deal with later. Okay. Yeah, that that was getting into a place like that was just amazing. Amazing. Okay. Cuz nothing in Santa Cruz was helping us out at all. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, that wraps up the summer and uh yeah, cuz then school started. <laughs> yeah, school started and then there's the rest of the year. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you enjoyed it and found some humor in some of the things that my mom and I found humor in because that's really the best way to handle those types of situations is being able to look back and, I mean, I all of my memories of this summer aren't, aren't all bad, so being able to find those little highlights and those those things that do make you smile even when things like that summer happens to you really I think is important to to be able to do anyways I hope you enjoyed this week's episode Uh, next week we will be going back into interviewing other people and if you have any more questions about that summer or any questions for me about my experiences, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to answer any questions privately or even add them into future episodes if it's relatable. So please feel free to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Uh, If you feel like becoming a patron on patreon.com, no one is stopping you please feel free to reach out to me. My website is www.bodytalkwithbex.com.